Well, brothers and sisters, we are continuing, as you know, our series on the Ten Commandments. And this morning we are talking about uh, Exodus chapter 20, verse 14. And like last week, it is short and sweet. And also, like last week, um, we have to uh, confess, if we are honest with each other, that we are guilty of adultery certainly in the way that Jesus means it, and uh, certainly in the way that the Heidelberg Catechism describes it as well. But, as with last week, and with all the time, hopefully, when you come to Athens Christian Reformed Church, we remember that God's grace is there in abundance to cover over all the sins for which we will repent. So, Now, here is Exodus chapter 20, verse 14. You shall not commit adultery. Good. That's great. All right. But we also need to look at Romans chapter 13, verse 9 this morning, because in it, Paul talks uh, fairly uh, significantly about, um, though he doesn't mention adultery specific. Well, no, he does. Never mind. He mentions adultery specifically, but it reminds us of the overarching theme that we have been speaking about when we have been speaking about the Ten Commandments. So, Paul says, the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and whatever other commandments there may be are summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. The word of the Lord. Amen. We want to also focus today on Heidelberg Catechism Question and Answer 108 and 109, which uh, highlight and uh, expand upon what we understand to be the truth about Uh, adultery and and the heart of the commandment to not commit adultery so this is and you can read the answer along with me please Uh, this is question uh, and answer 108 what is God's will for us in the seventh commandment God condemns all unchastity we should therefore thoroughly detest it and married or single live decent and chaste lives. Now I'm just gonna I'm just gonna pause there for a second and say notice that it says we should therefore thoroughly detest it, right? And I want to highlight that we are not detesting the people who fall prey to the temptation to commit adultery or live unchaste lives, but rather we are detesting unchastity particularly within ourselves, but also recognizing that it is not good in anyone's life, right? Okay, so we got to ha- remember that we can detest unchastity, but we don't detest the people who fall prey to it, okay? Second one, question answer 109. Does God in this commandment forbid only such scandalous sins as adultery? Answer, we are temples of the Holy Spirit, 
body and soul. And God wants both to be kept clean and holy. That is why he forbids everything which incites unchastity, whether it be actions, looks, talk, thoughts, or desires. Well, brothers and sisters, this may be an uncomfortable topic, and and I think that perhaps part of the fact that it is an un... Mm, That was really awkwardly phrased. The reality that talking about sex and sexuality is really difficult for for us, combined with the fact that we live in a society where sex and sexuality is everywhere, hammering us in the face constantly, those two things put together make this perhaps a very uncomfortable message to hear. We both don't want to talk about it and have it confronting us everywhere all the time. And so that makes things difficult. In fact, the reality is, and this gets to a little bit of what I was mentioning with regards to our uh, kids going to Sunday school, the reality is that according to, uh, now this is going to sound weird, I mentioned this before, there's a ministry out there called Triple X Church, XXX Church. It's actually, I know, shocking name, but it's actually a really good ministry. Their goal is to help uh, people get away from particularly pornography um, on both sides of the uh, that issue, right? So those who are consuming pornography, they want to help people get away from it, but also those who are in the pornography industry, they want to help people get away from that kind of enslavement or industry. And one of the things that they have there is a lot of information and statistics. And they've done good research on this and they've partnered with places like Pew Research and so on and so forth. And they say among their statistics that 90%, 90% of kids and teenagers ages 8 to 16 have already viewed pornography. 90%. Now, we're not going to talk about sex education particularly or anything like this, but let me tell you, parents, if you have kids who are eight years old, you should already have talked with them about sex and sexuality on some level because they are going to see it. And it's better it comes from you than from the internet. Additionally, if you are parents, and if you would like some help or advice about how to try to limit your children's exposure or your household's exposure to pornography I can help a little bit. I have a bunch of resources that can help. Nothing is perfect. Nothing is perfect. But it can help. In fact, the two biggest things on the internet, you know what the two biggest things on the internet are? Number one, 
is pornography. Number two is cats. Seriously, cat videos. <laughs> Number two, right? Pornography, cats. Right? Weird. Mind you, the cat videos are so cute and funny. I like cat videos. I know, I'm a weirdo. What can I say? But, so, here's the thing, right? We need to be talking about that. In fact, one of the things that our denomination did this past summer is they adopted a special statement with regards to pornography, and they said, this is an issue that we need to talk about. We need to stop stepping away and burying this issue. And it is not just a problem for kids 8 to 16 years old. It is not just a problem for men. It is not just a problem for women. It is not just a problem for particular categories of people of any kind. It is a huge problem for so many people. But beyond that, Beyond internet pornography, there is the pornography of the mind. The pornography of the mind. That is what Jesus is talking about when he says that if you even look at someone lustfully, you have committed adultery with them in your heart. That's a pornography of the mind. And I don't care what age you are, or whether you've ever used the internet or anything like that, if you're not guilty of that, that pornography of the mind, please come tell me how you did that. Right? But what's the big deal with with adultery? What's the big deal with pornography? What's the big deal with any sexual sin? There, there are so many different ways in which we can fall prey to or tempting, be tempted to fall to various sexual sins. Well, remember what we have talked about. Remember what we have talked about in previous commandments, right? The first set of commandments was all about, the first tablet of the law was all about our relationship with whom? God, Right? The first commandments are all about our relationship with God, right? Don't worship other gods. Don't make idols. Don't don't do things other than what you should be doing on the Sabbath because you're supposed to rest and honor God on the Sabbath day, right? All of these things are about our relationship with God and how we are to love and worship God. And honor Him. And the second tablet of the law is all about our relationship with who? Others. People. Ourselves and others. Our relationship with people, right? And, and first, we talked about that the, the very first commandment that God lists in that second tablet is our relationship with our parents. Why? Because not only are they image bearers like all the rest of us, but they are the first human relationship we ever have. And so in a way, God has gifted them with a beautiful status and extra special way in which they image God. They, like God, have given birth to new life. Now, of course... It is only a reflection of God's glory. And all the glory is given to God. 
But parents are that first intimate relationship we have. And secondly, we are told not to, not to murder. Right? And this has to do with all image bearers. These are people who are created in God's image. They're image bearers. And we are not to murder them. And the Heidelberg Catechism reminded us that not only are we not to murder them, but we are actually actively to work for their good regardless of who they are, including for our enemies. We are to actively work for the good of our enemies even because they are all image bearers and they are all created in, in, in God, by God's will and we are to love them. This third commandment in the second tablet is about the most intimate relationships that we will ever have. The most intimate relationships that we will ever have. And the thing with sexual sin is that it does damage. It does damage. And it does damage to ourselves and it does damage to others. You you see, sexuality, our sexuality was meant to be a gift for selfless enjoyment for selfless enjoyment the bible even says very much that husbands are to love their wives as christ loved the church giving up their very lives for them and and so in a married sexual relationship it should be That the husband, and I think it's safe to say reciprocity ought to be here as well, that the husband is giving selflessly to his spouse in all areas of life and also in the most intimate part of their lives in their their sexual relationship. Husbands, to put it bluntly, ought to be selfless during sexual intercourse. Giving pleasure to their spouse out of love as Christ loves the church. So too, wives also ought to be exercising selflessness. This is how sex within a marriage context becomes such a beautiful thing. It is a giving of oneself to one's spouse in such a beautiful and vulnerable way. That is a gift of God. But pornography and all kinds of other sexual sins are not that. Are not that. 
from the one perspective, you have a person consuming a good. Not a good as in not bad, but a good as in uh, merchandise, right? You have someone consuming something. And what that does to you, if you are the consumer, is it belittles the gift that God has given you. It says, the sexuality you gave me, God, it's not really that big a deal. It's something I can use for my own pleasure, kind of like I go and get a McDonald's hamburger every once in a while. It's just whatever, right? It's something to make me feel good, like binging Netflix, right? And on the other hand, it does something terrible to the people, because make no mistake, they are people who are in the pornography or who are in our mental image, our mental picture, our mental pornography. We are saying to that person or those people, you're not really human. You are something I can consume at my at my pleasure, for my pleasure, whenever I want. Imagine. Imagine that everybody you ever were tempted to lust after was actually your little brother, your little sister, your daughter, your son. Ugh, horrible. Why is it okay? Why is it okay to lust after somebody who's not my son, who's not my daughter, who's not? Uh, 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 ugh. It's not okay. They're human. They are beautiful, wonderful, awe-inspiring, glorious creations of God who were knit together in their mother's wombs. They are gifts from heaven above to this world. And when we put them in the place of just a thing, a merchandise that I can get pleasure from, we belittle them, we degrade them, we put, the place, we put them in a place of horror and shame. We say, in effect, contrary to the catechism, we say they're not a temple of the Holy Spirit. They are just an empty shell that makes me feel good. And so when we, when we fall to the temptation to lust after others, we belittle the gift that God has given us. We say, you know, it's not that big a deal. Just It's something that gives me pleasure. And secondly, it damages and belittles our view of others. They become objects. They become unimportant. They're not people who have real life stories, who have real life experiences, who have hopes and dreams who are created. They are just things. 
And then thirdly, most significantly of all, it is a kind of idolatry. And often the world really denies this. But the reality is, is that the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and to love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than this. And so when you, contrary to God's stated will, when I, contrary to God's written word and for the heart of His world, right? when I, contrary to all of that, just say, you know what, I don't care, I'm just going to please myself. That is hedonism, which is a search for pleasure in life. Pleasure at any cost. Pleasure at all costs. Pleasure. Pleasure is the good. The greatest good. And so I will pursue pleasure wherever it may be found. And who cares whether I hurt anybody else or degrade anybody else. I don't even care if I hurt or degrade myself. That is idolatry. Putting sex and sexuality and pleasure above God. In fact, it's sort of, if it's sort of written into the U.S. Constitution. Not, not, to, not to belittle our American neighbors, but this is one of the most terrible things that is there, right? It is that all men are equal, good, excellent, wonderful, and, and that they ought to pers- be able to pursue life, liberty, and happiness, or the pursuit of happiness. Right? That, that's, not, that's not what God created us for. God did not create us to seek life. God did not create us to seek liberty. God did not create us to seek happiness. None of those things as our primary goals. Our primary goal, as God has said, is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. That's our primary goal. That's what we were created for. Not for any of those other things. Those things, if they come along, are great, wonderful, excellent bonuses, but they're not what we're shooting for. We are shooting for serving God and loving Him wholeheartedly and loving and serving others wholeheartedly in His name and for His glory. So what are we to do? We are caught in a rut of sexual temptation. Sexual temptation such that we... we, It's everywhere, it's everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. It's hitting us in the face from the grocery aisle where you stop and you see the Cosmopolitan magazine that's sitting there and and, to every, well, not every, but many TV shows and the internet where it's so ubiquitous and our own minds. We're we're in this quandary where that temptation is everywhere and yet we don't even want to talk about it. We're so ashamed to talk about it. We're afraid. We're ashamed. What do we do? Well, here are a few things we can do. We can eat a good dose of humble pie. 
eat a good, nice, big slice of humble pie and be honest with ourselves and with each other that we struggle with living out our sexuality as God intended it to be. Let's be honest about that. Whew, I can feel my ears turning red right just talking about that. Good dose of humble pie. And then secondly, a good dose of repentance. And not just not just repentance like the repentance of the alcoholic who's not really ready yet to actually take steps to make a difference. Not the repentance that says, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'll never do it again, right? Not that kind of repentance, but the kind of repentance that says, whoa, I have really messed up on this. I, am, I need help. I can't do this alone. I can't make it on my own. And I am so sorry. I will try. Please help me try. Saying that to both trusted friends and brothers and sisters in Christ and to God Himself. Good dose of humble pie. A good dose of remembrance or repentance. and a good dose of grace and hope. Because the reality is is that just like murder, just like honoring our parents, just like loving God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, we are not alone in our sin and in our struggle, but also we are not abandoned in terms of our future, in terms of the now, in terms of where we can go from here. This is not the end. There is hope for us. Christ Himself stands there and looking at us as the woman, the man, the person caught in adultery says, they can't condemn you, condemn you because they're also stuck with it. They're also sinners. They also are struggling. And I'm not going to condemn you either. Now let's go and stop walking in sin. And Jesus knows that we can't do it alone. Jesus knows that we can't make it. And so Jesus sends His Holy Spirit to live within us, to grow us. And and not only that, Jesus sends brothers and sisters in Christ to help us along the way. And not only that, but Jesus sends the Scriptures, the Holy Word of God that helps to teach us and helps to grow us if we are honest in good, healthy sexuality. And not only that, but Jesus sends us salvation through His very own sacrifice filling up that gap between what I must do, what I am called to do, what I am designed to do, that good human living as it was meant to be, and what I actually do or think. That's what we can do. That's what we can 
do. Humility, repentance, grace, and hope. We can also support one another. We can also support one another. And it's tough. If somebody comes to you and says, hey, can I talk about something that's pretty vulnerable, that's pretty serious, that, that I'm really embarrassed about or ashamed of or whatever, as brothers and sisters in Christ, we need to be gracious. We need to be kind. We need to not be judging or looking down on. Not that we necessarily agree with the things that they have done, but rather that we love and support and say, okay, let's walk together in love. Brothers and sisters, just like Jesus transformed the commandment to not murder into an opportunity for us to be free from murderousness. So too, Jesus transforms. Transforms the commandment to not commit adultery into an opportunity for us to be free from adulterousness. Can you imagine, again, how great it would be to no longer fall even in my head to the temptation to lust, to belittle my sexuality, to belittle the identity of others, to live To live a chaste life. What a joy. What a great opportunity. Let us grab hold of it for ourselves in the name of Jesus and by His power and through the working of the Holy Spirit. Let us grab hold of it and live lives that are pure in this way. Not that we beat ourselves up terribly and wallow in guilt every time we fall to temptation, but rather that we truly repent and walk forward with Jesus in grace and newness of life. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we thank you that we are indeed temples of the Holy Spirit, body and soul. And that You, O oh God, want us to be clean inside and out, holy inside and out. Lord, again, we ask for Your forgiveness, not because You refuse to give it or anything like this. We know that You are gracious beyond all measure. But God, we do know, at least to some degree, the depth of our sin and fallenness. 
And so we repent again. Lord, walk with us. Lord, walk with us in newness of life. That we may be pure. That we may be free from adulterousness. Just as, O oh God, we long to be free of murderousness. Help us to live lives of selfless love and giving of sexuality within the appropriate context of marriage. Lord, guide us in all of these things for your glory and praise and honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.